God. You may be seated. Thank you, Abba. I, I want us to read the word of God together. God has confirmed his word already, and we'll read the word and, and, um, and share. Genesis chapter 17. Genesis 17, we read from verse 1 to 8. The word of God says, When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. I will confirm my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. Abram fell face down and God said to him, as for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham. For I have made you. Everybody say with me, I have made you. Now that's very important for what we have to discuss today. For I have made you. I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you, I love that. Because God there is describing what has happened so far, but he's also describing what will happen from here on. Hallelujah. I will make you very fruitful, and I will make nations of you, and kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for the generations to come. To be your God and the God of your descendants after you. The whole land of Canaan, where you are now an alien, I will give as an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you, and I will be their God. The Lord had blessing to the reading of his word. Amen. There's a companion passage we will read alongside this, and it's the book of Revelation, chapter 11, and verse number 17. <clears throat> the Bible says there, saying, in fact, let's begin at 16, and the 24 elders who were seated on their thrones before God fell on their faces. Similar posture as Abraham. Okay. He fell on his face. These elders also are falling on their faces. The scenario is the same. One is in heaven, one is down here on earth. We give thanks to you, Lord God Almighty. Same name that's appearing in Genesis 17, because God there introduces himself as Lord God Almighty. The one who is and who was, because you have taken your great power and have begun to reign. The Lord had blessing to the reading of his word. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the opportunity that you've given us to come together. We thank you for what you have done for us, what we've jested about here 
is, has been so real in our lives and we're grateful. Thank you for Beza, for what you're doing through this fellowship. And thank you, Lord, for the partnership and our common vision to redeem nations. And we pray that you will continue to fulfill your purposes even as we meet today through the declaration of your word. We seek these messages in Jesus' name with thanksgiving. Amen. You may kindly be seated. The message the Lord has given me for today um, is entitled El Shaddai, the God who is enough. It's not the first time I'm teaching on um, this particular name, but each time the Lord leads me to these passages, I see some new things. And the focus today is on the God who is enough. We're living in a day and time when we have somehow created for ourselves a culture of not enough. Everything around us and the way we handle it demonstrates that in our heart of hearts and at the best of us, we do not believe that we have enough to go around. We do not even believe that we have enough to keep us for one day. We behave that way. Because whenever we have a little resource in our hands, we grab it. So let me start with our professions. When God is so gracious and gives us a job, what do we do? Sometimes we work so hard on that job that God's priorities become secondary. Let me talk to business people. We're in business. God gives us opportunity to make money. When the money increases, more often than not, we actually make that money a priority and not God. That's us. When our living standards improve a little bit and life is better and we're more comfortable, we settle for more comfort. And as we say, that becomes our comfort zone. And in the long run, the one who's given us those things watches and sees how he becomes second level or third level or second class in our lives because the priority is the stuff that satisfies us. Am I talking to people here today? Am I talking to the right people? That's us. Do you agree with me? That's us. So our economies in our countries improve. Technology, which is really from God, comes and it's in our hands. We actually begin to manipulate it and use it even against God's purposes. Look at what we have done, we've done to social media. This is, social media is part of those technological breakthroughs that are supposed to be a blessing to us. But what have we done with it? We have taken it, especially our younger generation. We are not really managing to control them sufficiently. We've taken it, and now we have the, popular, the popularization of what, we, what is being known as fake news. Stuff that's done with a technological piece 
and space that's actually meant to make the world smaller, and we're supposed to communicate better and become more one, but we're using that very two to divide one another. Because somehow, we are in that not enough syndrome. And in that not enough syndrome, what we really try to say is that we are sufficient within ourselves. We are ready to run life the way we want to run it. We are ready to rule ourselves. And we have, in some of our, uh, our governments and countries, gone as far as making it harder for people to actually just worship God freely because we've made, we're making it look like it is not okay to have God in our lives. There are some countries now where religion is being considered a private affair. And we have to watch what we say, how we preach, and how we present what we say. Certain terminologies are now being changed. To suit us. What the Bible presents as sin can no longer be preached as sin. And I would like to us to continue to preach it as sin. But you see, it's happening that way because... We've even said that space in our lives is not enough for God to occupy it and share it with us. This is us. We have built a culture of not enough. So I was saying in the earlier service, sometimes as a pastor, you sit in the church, and you hear somebody get up and testify, actually, that they, you know, they, they're now learning to live by faith. Because, you know, they lost a job seven years ago or seven months ago. Let's make, let's make it shorter. Seven months ago. And now they're learning to live by faith. So I sit back and I think, okay, now that you have no job, you are learning to live by faith. How else have you lived? Somebody says, oh, I lost my car. And now, now, now I have to believe God for transport. Oh, so when you had your car, God was not in the picture. That's our space. I have watched how, with a little bit of education, we're so educated now that we don't want God in our space. So I am saying that we have built for ourselves a culture of not enough. The good thing, though, is that this not enough culture many times does remind us that we do come to a place where all else is not working and we have no option but to cry out and say, oh, God. We have no option but to cry out and say, oh, God. This morning and afternoon, what I sense God wants us to remember is to stop and observe that he, while we are not enough and we don't have enough, I know we don't accept it, we don't easily um, uh, accept that, but the reality is that he is all sufficient and he is enough. So let me take you to the, our passage. We all know the story of Abraham. In chapter 12, God visited him and told him, get up, you and your family, leave the land where you are. That's a famous uh, promise which all of us know. By the time it is chapter 17, 
13 years have passed since the first promise that was given to Abraham. And it's actually 13 years, specifically 13 years, since the birth of um, Ishmael. And you know the Ishmael arrangement came because Abraham, like you and I, said, Sarah, can't bear a child. Not enough. You know the story? He decided to help God. And they worked together with Sarah because Sarah said, no, just take my maid. That's, that's, that's us looking for alternatives when we are not ready to trust the Lord. So Ishmael was born, and we know the trouble that has come into the world as a result of that. That's something sovereign, so let's leave it alone for a moment. Thirteen years has passed. Abraham is visited again by the Lord. By now, he's ex feeling it in his body. That he's weak. His strength is almost gone. He still does not have his own seed. And this is a time that God decides to visit him. And he says to him, verse number one, come with me there. When Abram, Abram, and I wanted to make, to make that distinction, the name Abram and Abram. Abraham was 99 years old. The Lord appeared to him and said, I am the Lord Almighty. Now, that revelation, the Lord Almighty, is where we are getting the name El Shaddai from because that's what it is in the Hebrew. It is the same revelation that is in Revelation chapter 11, verse 17, where the Lord reveals himself in heaven and he says, I'm the Lord Almighty. And the host of heaven falls down, first down. They all fall face down, and they begin to worship. And they say, the Lord, who was, who is, who was, who is. There, the word who is to come is missing, as it is in, in, as, as, because that's there elsewhere. But they immediately understand that when God reveals himself as the Lord Almighty, as El Shaddai, he is addressing a situation where probably, looking at the human side, where probably, the people whom he's visiting are limiting him. And I must confess, beloved, that in our lives we have limited God to our education. We've limited God to our jobs. We've limited God to our businesses. We've limited God to uh, just what we know. That's us. That's us. But he would like us to look beyond our education. He would like us to look beyond our limitations. He would like us to look beyond the things that we have. Remember, we're defining ourselves by what, by what we have and what we do not have. So let's talk about status in life. Status in life these days is determined by what people have or do not have. We talk in terms of People living either at poverty levels or so much below the poverty level. It's all defined in terms of what people have and do not have. And we don't realize that this builds a very, very difficult human mentality. I have come to announce to us here at Beza today that the God whom you serve 
the God whom you serve operates outside your circumstances. He has been gracious to give you and I an education. He has been gracious to give you and I a job. He has been gracious to give you and I a career. For you young people, he has been gracious to give you a university place. He has been gracious to give you a place in school among the brightest. What he gives us is a means to an end, not an end in itself. The reason why I'm saying we've built a not enough culture is because we somehow, with our education, with the means we have, the, the things we have, whatever we have attained, we feel like we have arrived. And so he must visit us the way he visited um, Abraham. Hallelujah. The good thing is that even with these things, as good as they are, Somehow inside we do feel inadequate. Somehow inside we do feel alone, even when we shouldn't. Somehow we do feel we need something more than even the positions we hold in society. That's good. Because that's where he wants us. So I have come to announce today that God is almighty. He's El Shaddai. <laughs> Hallelujah. He's El Shaddai. Some, some quick lesson here. The Hebrew word from which we take the name El Shaddai. In the early rabbinic times, the early rabbis saw that word as coming, in fact, the, the last part, El, is God. So let's take the, the, the term Shaddai, just the term Shaddai. That, that, that word Shaddai, in early rabbinic times, was seen as coming from two angles. Number one, made up of the first portion, see, which really refers to for who, pointing to direction, for who. The latter part, da, which becomes El Shaddai. So there's really, if you are looking at dividing the word, sure and die, okay? So the part that's constituting the suffix, die, refers to him being enough. In fact, in the then time, there was an indication that this God who is enough. So who? She. Who is enough? This God who is enough was in the, always understood as one who lived in the mountains. One who resided in the mountains. It's like that's where the power was. And if he revealed himself and said, he is here as El Shaddai, it's like that God, the owner of the mountains, has now come and is residing with us. In other words, even though we think that our little circumstance is all that there is, that it limits us, yes, and it's all that there is, and we know that we do feel insufficient, he is all sufficient. Hallelujah. So he's the God who is enough. What that means, beloved, is this. That even if I didn't have an education, even if I didn't have a job, even if I didn't have a house, even if I didn't have a, uh, a car, even if I didn't have any of these things that you and I know make us feel like this is how life is. As far as he's concerned, if we have him, 
we have enough. That this is what he means. When he says to Abraham, I know you have no child right now of your own. And I know you tried to help me by going and having Ishmael. But now, at your 99 years, when your body is as good as dead, I am now telling you to go on and uh, lie with your wife Sarai, and you will have, you will truly have a son because I am enough for you. And at the sound of God's word, your circumstance transforms and changes. And I have come to announce, Beza, the Lord is the God who is enough. In the past few weeks, specifically three weeks ago, as we were closing the service, God gave me uh, a passage. Uh, in fact, no, it, it was, the passage was already part of the, the, the sermon, uh, but then the Lord directed me to use it to close the service. And the passage is Psalm 20. Whose seventh verse says, Some trust in chariots, some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. Later on, it was, it was Elder who came and talked to me, Elder here, came and told me that that morning, a few ladies, including this one here, had gone into the church and they were praying before the service. And God gave them Psalm 20. And so, it was part of the sermon. I referred to it, but as we were closing, the Lord impressed on my heart that I should speak it as, as God's promise over the assembly. But the reminder in verse 7 is real. When it says, some trust in chariots. That's describing you and I. How we trust so much in the things that we believe make us significant. But I'm here to announce that God is saying, even if you didn't have those things. Because remember, we crash even while we have these things. So there are no security. We still crash land. While we have our knowledge, our education our smartness, everything, we still crash. So why do we place so much faith in these things? These things limit us, and they limit you and I. But God says to Abraham, I'm the Lord God Almighty. Hallelujah. I'm the Lord God Almighty. So then, the term Shaddai is really referring to God as being enough. It draws attention to God's power and his strength. So there are two lessons to learn. Number one, God is unlimited. Hallelujah. God is unlimited. I'm saying to us that when we act in accordance to what we think we have or do not have, and I sense there are people listening to me right now who you've been looking at people around you and you think, no, I can't compare to that one. I can't compare to that one. What are you using as a gauge? You're probably looking at the fact that they, as I said, they're probably either more educated than you are. Maybe they hold a few more degrees than you are. Maybe they've traveled more than you, and you feel you've not traveled enough. So you're now assessing yourself based on what you think makes people significant. 
But you see, over time, those things impact how we respond to God. And I'm here to remind you. Those people are not the standard. Neither are you. God is. Hallelujah. So let me draw your attention to verse number six, where God now speaks to um, Abraham. And he says, I will, no, let's start at verse five. No longer will your name be called Abraham. Your name will be Abraham. I'm sure you've had the teaching on this. Um, the name Abraham means uh, exalted father. Abraham. Abraham means father of many. It changes. It gives him influence. Exalted father, that's status. And status is what all of us seem to rely on. But you see, your status, I can assure you, you might think it does give you influence. No, your status gives you a position, a sense of, of, uh, of, of, of um, feeling, all is okay. But what God does is if you take that status, and I'm asking you to do that today, and bring it to his altar, lay it at his feet, is that he increases your capacity. And so he says, you'll no longer be Abraham, but Abraham. Because Abraham means father of many. I'm taking you, Abraham, Abraham, to become Abraham because what I've placed in you is meant not just for you, but for others. And God will multiply and use your education. God will multiply and use your influence. God will multiply and use your position if you place it before him. Because Abraham becomes Abraham, father of of many, not just many, but many nations. So when I think about what was being said during worship here today, you and I remembering where God found us. Paul reminded the people in Corinth. He says, not many noble were called. Not many influential were called. But God took the foolish things of this life and he confounded the wise. I want us as believers never to lose that place of understanding that we are who we are because of God. So our first lesson, the only two lessons I'm giving, our first lesson today is that God is unlimited. El Shaddai calls to the unlimited power of God. You young people, I've been talking a lot to young people in the past few weeks in our church, and I've been saying, the fact that what it has taken us 10 or 20 years or 30 years to put together. The young generation now has been given a prowess that's amazing. That's because God wants you to achieve more. But the lesson you must learn from us is that over time, our world has over That's why I'm saying this is the culture we've built. We've built that culture because we're responsible. The world has wavered around things and position and things that sort of make people significant by getting a name. So my word to the young generation is this. Don't look for a name. Find God. The God factor in your life gives you not just position but influence. 
Because wherever you go, you will have influence because God is in your life. He's in your life. So Abraham is given the name Abraham. Now, he says in the end of verse 5, remember that I have made you. Say it with me. I have. Yeah, 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 yeah. I have made you. I went to school in Oxford. Oxford did not make me. You may have gone to school in some uh, prestigious university out there. That's not what makes you. In Christ, God makes you. So he says to Abraham, I have made you a father. And it does not end there. He also says, I will make you. Read verse 6. Let's look at verse 6. No longer will you be called Abraham. Your name um, will be Abraham. And I will make you fruitful. May that be your portion today in Jesus' name. Now, why is this important? That leads me to the second lesson. And I'll begin to wrap up. So not only are we saying that God is unlimited in his power. Secondly, we are saying that God will fulfill what he has said over your life. He will fulfill it. What he has said will come to pass. So he says to Abraham, I will make you fruitful. I hear God saying to someone here today, I will make you fruitful. I will make you fruitful. I will make you fruitful. So what we need today are models. People that model the godly life in the kingdom. With the help of the Lord, we trust that we are doing that for the new generation. But the younger generation has an even greater task. Towards the end of verse 6, he says, I will make you fruitful. I will make nations of you. And kings will come from you. Kings will come from you. That kind of reaping does not happen until we make God at the very center of our lives. And make him the El Shaddai. I want you to read with me a passage in Daniel chapter 4 verse 30. So that I can make the illustration. And then we begin to uh, wrap up. Daniel chapter 4. I'd like to read from the New Living Translation. This is Nebuchadnezzar. Bible says, as he looked out across the city, he said, look at this great city of Babylon. Nebuchadnezzar, by my own mighty power, I have built this beautiful city as my royal residence to display my majestic splendor. That's you and I. We may think 
This guy was extreme. But that's how we live. That's how we live. By making God second or secondary in our lives, we're actually saying we are self-made. We have made ourselves. We have given ourselves these things. Uh, we, 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 we have achieved on our own. And I thought that God wants us to be reminded that every good and perfect gift, James 1, 17, every good and perfect gift comes from above, from the Lord, the Father of all lights, with whom there is no shadow of turning. So the Apostle Paul says, I am who I am by the grace of God. You are who you are by the grace of God. So I want us today to remember where God picked us up from and to come the way we were and the way we are today. Because it is very, very easy, as they say, to put the cart before the horse. But the owner of the horse today says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, even in moments when we feel completely weak, he says, my grace is sufficient for you. I have a list of things that describe our society. What do we do with broken dreams? What do we do when our hearts are broken? What do we do when we miss opportunities? Do we just go after everybody else who we think has taken the opportunity from us? What do we do when our hopes are dashed? What do we do when relationships break up? Do we just find someone who we think we must blame for that broken relationship? What do we do when we lose an investment? What do we do when we think the means have run out? As you are aware, the world is facing a, a power crisis. We have our own share in Zambia. And the power utility... The power company tells us we have to ration. They're doing what they call load shedding. Why? Because there isn't sufficient power generated to go round at the same time. So they switch off in certain areas so that for a certain key and peak period, they can probably channel that power to the more um, uh, needy uh, locations. And in this case, you have the manufacturing sector, you've got the mining industry, at least for Zambia, and so that they can channel that power for a while and we can keep production going. So, again, there isn't enough power to go around. Well, electrical power, electricity, uh, and energy, power that we need to run our lives may run out. But the power from on high never runs out. Today, God is still sufficient. He's enough to cover all of us. Hallelujah. Enough to cover all of us. So with him, I know this is more appreciated by my Zambian team. I can say to you, no power cuts in heaven. So there's sufficient power to keep you going. No power cuts because he is El Shaddai, the God who is enough. And the host of heaven, once they heard that announced, understood the power of those words, fell down. 
I have come to announce. Today, if you hear God is El Shaddai, it's enough to make you stop. Take your education and throw it at the altar. And come there and say, Lord, it's you. Take your money and throw it at the altar. When you hear El Shaddai, take your position and throw it. Because these things get to our heads, they get to our hearts. And they do destroy us. But God has a plan for us. He's giving us those things to make us fathers of many nations. To make out of us nations and institutions. To make out of us the people that will have the capacity to take control and dictate what must be done tomorrow. So my reading of you being in a very influential location is that God has placed you there, not for yourself. He has placed you there like he was positioning Abraham so that out of you he can make a nation because he is sufficient for the nations. And I ask that we do not become like Nebuchadnezzar, who said, I have done this for myself. I have built it. I was saying in the last service, while the words were on his lips. While the words were on his lips, God struck him. We know the story. Nebuchadnezzar ended up in the forest eating grass. His nails grew. His body grew hairs. He became like an animal. Until he acknowledged once again that the Lord was God. And then he was brought back. And you and I don't have to go that far. God doesn't have us. He doesn't have to take us down. Ah, I pray not. But we are in that space where we can humbly offer ourselves to him and say you are El Shaddai. And that's why Paul said I've learned to abound and to also be our best. And God doesn't want us to only say we're living by faith only when we have nothing. We live by faith with or without money, with or without a job because every good and perfect gift comes from him. That's what I came to declare to you today.